Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. Dude, I got the promotion. Nice. Around this time last year, we had a series on getting a job, which included a couple of episodes on interviewing. One area that we didn't cover, though, was the differences between internal and external interviews. In this episode, we'll discuss what you need to know to ace the internal interviews, be they for promotion, lateral transfer, or anything else. We'll talk about how to prepare for the interview, strategies to use while in the interview, what to avoid, and finally, how to follow up afterwards. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm like overloaded, and I feel like I have been for months and months. Um, so I've just been really, really stressed out, and I, you know, finally got the chance to upgrade Visual Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, went to VS 2017, tried to debug, tried to hover over a variable so you can see what's in it, and Visual Studio goes away. Wow. Just completely. Nothing in the event log. Do it in safe mode. I can try to do the same thing here. It works. I can try it on my laptop. It works. The other guys in the office, totally works. Just my desktop. That's I, weird because you you told me about this. And I'm like, I've never had that problem. Yeah. Like, I, I had problems go away when I switched to 2017. Yeah, and I've had it, cr- you know, I've had uh, like Visual Studio 2013, which is what I'm on right now, and I'm having to do all my work in it. Um, you know, it'll crash and, you know, it'll be like, oh, I'm unresponsive and, you know, but I at least get a little pop up that says, yeah, yo dog, we crashed. Mm-hmm. This one's just like, nope. It's like you just click close and whatever you're working on is just gone. So That's I don't know, um, you know, and somebody's like, well, you know, disable your add-ins. Well, I did. I ran it in safe mode, disabled add-ins. It still does it. Hmm. Um, so it's not an add-in, but even if it was, like, should an add-in be able to crash your IDE? I don't think so. Like that, mm-hmm. uh, there ought to be a safety model there, right? That keeps that from happening. So it's still on them. Where are you on your, you're on Windows 10, right? Yeah. And you're up to date on it? Yep. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's probably some weird interaction and... You know, they'll probably figure it out, but it's like, you know, you're down yeah. on that until it is. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm getting hit a lot from well, just a lot of little stressors from a lot of different angles. Um, I'm also on the HOA board. And so, you know, we have, uh, you know, we have our, like our monthly meetings or whatever. And, you know, you got some guy out there, you know, you got procedures, right? For the whole thing. And you got some guy out there that like, you know, is like, well, Robert's rules of order says this. It's like, yeah, we have bylaws. It's not Robert's rules of order. And just like trying to convey that to somebody. And so it's just a bunch of little stuff where you're just kind of on edge. And I feel like I've been fighting that for what, two or three months, I guess. Yeah. That's when you got elected. No, I mean, not just there. Like that's, that's a pretty minor stressor, but, um, so how about you other than the (laughs) promotion? Well, I've I've been fighting Facebook live tonight Uh, (laughs) and losing. Oh my God. Goodness, I'm telling you, I don't know. It, it for some reason it's I go and I'm trying to connect to our our stream that's coming out, and it like I click the connect button. the The camera for Facebook Live will work when I'm not using the camera, but when I click the connect to the stream, it just goes blank screen, nothing. Yeah. 
Uh, so I don't know. Facebook is having some issues, and so we didn't get to do a live tonight. I'm a bit thrown off by that because no that's bit. that's my. <laughs> yeah, I have a routine that I like to go through when we record, and that's part of the routine. And so we didn't get to do it. So that's that's a bit been throwing me off. Um, uh, also, I've been working on getting an application into production the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah, that's a familiar pain, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, but it always seems to amaze me. Um, how we claim to have the same environment between test UAT and production, but each and every time we promote a new application, we find something's different. Yeah. See, we don't make that claim because our stuff runs on our clients. It's white label. And so it's just like, yeah, it's, you just don't know what's going to happen. You just throw it out there and hope. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a learning process all around. School started for me this week, speaking of learning. I've been reading through the materials. Uh, I'll be learning Java in this first class. Nice. Um, it's basically an intro to comp sci at the graduate level that apparently covers most of your first and second year or so of undergrad. Yeah, at least the important bits. Yeah, the, the materials that they think are relevant from it. Though the book and coursework seem to be designed for people that haven't done any coding. Like I I talked to some of the other people when I was at orientation and they were telling me, you know, oh, no, I've, I've never done any coding or anything like that. Okay, then I start looking at the materials and like, this is like an intro to development. I'm like, I've been doing this for a little while now. I'm. You know, yeah. I wonder if you could test out of some of those. I asked and was told no. So uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see how it goes over the semester. I'm sure I'll get some good episode topics from it, and it yeah. may be that the beginning part is kind of intro to coding, and it it ramps up. Yeah, but it would have to ramp up pretty fast to be able to cover you know what a four year degree does. Well, like I said, it's not the full. This class doesn't cover all of it. It just covers the initial part. I think. Yeah, and you're probably not getting stuck with like discrete. You know, they're they're probably cutting out. Well, actually, you are getting stuck with discrete, but um, there's probably some computer classes that you're not getting stuck with that are not overly useful for what you're trying to do. Well, no, it's this is the first in several classes I have to take before I can start the graduate. Program. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at this class going, I don't know that this is the one that I needed to take, but it's just, this is what everybody that doesn't have a CS degree takes. Yeah. So I mean, I think like with my CS degree, I, if it was compressed, I could have probably gotten it in a couple of years. Yeah. You know, we'll see how this goes over the course of the semester. Uh, one thing I'm sure about is I'm going to get some good episode topics from it. You know, this episode though was pretty tough to write. Uh, getting all the things that I've experienced wasn't that difficult, but trying to find and discuss areas of internal interviews that I've not seen, either in development or in other areas, was a lot harder than I expected. I also needed to avoid assuming that everywhere works like the places that I've worked in the past. Yeah. But since we're talking about interviewing, I've got something related for IOTs. Interviews can be hard to prepare for, especially if the position is for one around the Internet of Things. Many people prepare by reviewing interview questions or having friends or family give them mock interviews. This is an article that lists out several interview questions along with the correct answers when you're looking for a job in IoT. The article covers questions that will be asked for junior and advanced positions working with IoT technologies. So if you're looking for a job in IoT, it may be a good thing to check out. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? We got a tweet uh, about the seven myths of Agile. Uh, and this is from Cadge Bonfils. 
Every leader, manager, developer, architect, whatever role you might have in the software dev world, listen to this from At Complete Dev Pod. You might have heard it before, but it's always worth getting a brush up. Yeah, thank you for sharing that and for sharing the episode. Um, we get most of our advertising through word of mouth, and it comes from listeners like you telling others about the show. Send us a DM with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+. We're also on Path, Instagram, and Tumblr. You can check us out each week on Facebook and Twitter Live, except for this one, where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer listener questions. Join the conversation anytime by going to Slack at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. There's a difference between interviewing at a new location with people who don't know you or have not worked with you and interviewing in front of your coworkers and people who you've been working with for years. The latter know your faults, your strengths, and your weaknesses. What works in one place doesn't in the other, and strategies you've used before can be detrimental. Internal interviews occur when you are interviewing for a promotion or a new position at your current job. Now, we're going to start talking about the different reasons you may go for an internal interview, along with different types of interviews you may have. Then we'll get into discussing the differences between internal and external interviews. Following that, we'll talk about preparing for and strategies specific to internal interviews, and we'll finish out the episode going over what you need to avoid and how to follow up after the interview. So let's talk about the reasons that you subject yourself to an internal interview. I guess that's the best way to put it. (laughs) Um, Interviewing for a promotion is the most common reason to go through the internal interview process. Yeah, and money is not likely the primary motivator here. More than likely going to get a bigger raise if you leave and go somewhere else. You know, a lot of larger companies will have rules and regulations about how much they can offer an internal candidate. Right, and it typically comes out to be cheaper for them to get the internal candidate. That's usually why the job offers go out there first, Mm -hmm. and then they roll it to the general public is... They're trying to save money. Now, while money may not be the primary motivator, there will be others. For example, you may want to stay where you are because of your coworkers or the environment that you work in. You may get be doing some really interesting things that you enjoy doing. Um, it may also be that you want to get the title to make getting an external interview easier later on. Right. You may choose to take an internal promotion to get the title of senior developer, stay there for a year. And then you have that background as a senior developer and you're treated like when you get more opportunity. Right. I mean, because I I just got promoted to architect. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, you know, I'm not looking for a job or anything like that. But if I was, that would make it substantially easier to get a substantially higher paying job with more interesting work. Right. The next most common reason for internal interviews are transitions from contractor or intern to a permanent employee. A lot of times, companies will vet potential employees by bringing them on as a contractor. This is what happened with me. And me too. Um, In fact, uh, this past Friday was my three-year anniversary of the first day I worked there. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. And I came in as a contractor. I was there for six months as a contractor, you know, and then got hired on. What this does for the company is it reduces the HR costs because if the person is not a good fit, then they can be done after their contract and there's no other obligations. Right. 
Um, contract to hire is a type of consultant that has the option to come on permanent after their contract ends. Yeah, that this means is, you don't have to. Yeah, this was the type of contract that I had. Yeah, same here. So when I went in, the way this works is as a just straight contractor, you are contracting either for a set period of time or it can be indefinite or for a set project. Yeah, or a certain number of hours. Right. That's how the recruiting company I worked through did things. I think it was like a thousand hours. Yeah. And so I got it in a little under six months, mm-hmm. I think. Actually, I think it was more like five and a half. Yeah. Um, that's the way mine was. It was it was like that. But uh, um, a contract to hire basically says after you have met that contract obligation, the company is allowed to hire you on permanently without having to pay any extra to the recruiting company that you're working for. Right. Now, I've also gotten hired on uh, before that ended in, mm-hmm. a, you know, I think two previous gigs where they liked me enough where they're like after two months, like we're going to pay the waiver fee. Right. Which I thought was ridiculous, but uh, compared to what I was making, maybe there was some, you know, there's some balance there, but it didn't make sense to me. But when I was talking with my former manager, he was talking to me about doing that and weighing the, okay, this is how much we're paying the recruiting company because because that cost them more than what I was making versus how much we would pay you if we brought you on permanent. We have a position available. Is it worth our money to buy you out of the contract? Right. And he was weighing that and discussing it with upper management before he left. And then after he left, it kind of got put on the back burner. And when my contract was up, they made me an offer. It was really awesome. It, it makes you as a developer feel very wanted. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the benefits too, right? Because it makes people more loyal. Another way to get fresh new developers is through an internship. So an intern may be offered a junior position if one is available. In fact, our junior dev where I work, mm-hmm. um, our junior.net developer started out as an intern. And of course, the thing with him is, is he got in there and he was so valuable as an intern. We're like going, dude, you've got to hire this guy. Like he's, he's made himself critical as an intern. An intern is going to know some of their interviewers. It may be a little bit more isolated Mm because usually like if you got an intern, they're probably not really in all the main meetings and that kind of stuff. So they might only know one or two people versus like a big squad of people. Now, another thing that's less common is a lateral transition. So like you switch from, you know, like development to DevOps. Or you move within a larger organization from one department to another. Right. Um, My most recent boss did that. Yeah. Um, she was director of our division and she wanted to get more involved. So she took a lateral transition to another area where she got to be a business architect and more involved in the design process. Yeah. And it was probably the, you know, similar pay, similar, uh, you know, place in the hierarchy, but you're just moving across departments. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people do this. Um, I've seen more of them go out of development this way than. Obviously, you can't really come in right. that way um, unless you're doing like maybe DevOps or something like that. And then they'll be like, yeah, you're you're too critical. We'll take what we can get. But most of the time, it's people leaving uh, development. And I've seen them go to like marketing, believe it or not, just like a jump, which seems like a really huge jump. But I guess, you know, it's doable. I know we have a friend that is a junior developer now and has talked about wanting to move into project management. Yeah, she's real good. Like, she should do that. And her whole thing was she wanted to understand the development side of it 
and then move into that. Yeah. And I think that is like the the best way to go into that because I've seen project managers that didn't and were first order ignorant and go, I don't know about this, so can you teach me and help me understand what you guys do versus the ones that are second order ignorant and are think they know what they're doing and really don't. Yeah. So it'll be really awesome when she does make that transition to to see a project manager who actually knows what the developers are doing. Yeah, I could see her either being a, a business analyst or a project manager. Yeah. Because the organizational skills are, are definitely there. Mm-hmm. So these type of lateral transitions could also be used to gain experience in a new, older, or different technology. You know, for example, I have been looking at my own skill set and realized I know ASP.NET Web API really well. Yeah. But... I've talked to some people I know in other areas about ASP.NET, and there's a lot of things such as MVC that I don't know very well. And I need to kind of bone up on that. And it won't be at work because we're not structured that way. So I'll be doing that on my own time. But if you were, you know, if there was another department that was doing Node and you wanted to jump over to do Node, that Mm -hmm. would kind of be an example here as well, right? Because it can be kind of a career shifting. Like it's it's a shift within the same silo. Yeah. And that that's actually real common. The other thing is you may want to get away from a situation or a person, but not leave the company. You may be moving away from someone that is toxic that you can't get rid of. Yeah. Well, you know, and I've, I've done this a couple of times, you know, just moving to a different segment of mm-hmm. the department. And it was more, it wasn't toxic so much as it was just vastly different ways of working. So, yeah, I mean, that that's pretty common. Um, the least common would be to purposefully take a demotion. And you might be wondering why anybody would want to do that. Um, I've done it once. Uh, the reason I did it was because I, I was getting a crap ton of pressure from above mm-hmm. me. And it was they were kind of there was some borderline unethical stuff that turned into full-blown unethical stuff. And I actually asked for a demotion and then... You know, we went round and round and I ended up getting downsized, but downsized as in fired. Yeah. Um, so this could be for a lot of different reasons. Like Will said, to get out of a situation or you may have family obligations. You may be going back to school or you want to gain some more free time. I know when I was working at the psychiatric hospital, I took a demotion to move to a job that was only on the weekends. Yeah. So you could still work. Right. It was a demotion in title but not in pay yep uh and so it it was it was a purposeful demotion so that i could take a position that allowed me the ability to go to school and do my graduate practicum right because you couldn't have done that with a full-time gig no and you know especially during the week and everything else Mm -hmm. i mean sometimes you do that Uh, family obligations will be a big one as well i've seen you know parents uh, do that, you know, after, after they have a, you know, after they have a new baby or if the, the child ends up sick. Right. Yeah. You know, they take a demotion so that they can continue to take care of the kid. And that's, that's reasonable. So let's talk about the types of internal interviews. So an internal interview may be as simple as having a conversation with your manager. Yeah. The manager already knows most of what an interview will provide. And a lot of the time it's just a formality. The last, um, actually, I can't think of a time I've ever actually gotten promoted where the interview wasn't a formality. Mm-hmm. Mine wasn't because there was more than one person that applied. Well, and you also work at the state, right? Like they're uh, they're a little more on process, whereas yeah. like, you know, 
most of the places I've worked has just been like, okay, you're promoted effective now. Yeah. Now, the the other thing is they may be a little concerned about taking a risk on promoting you. It's um, a weird thing. Um, some people will get promoted and then they just fall apart. Yeah. Now, this most likely happens if there are no other candidates for the position. Yeah. And sometimes they actually will create a position for a person like the um, software architect position that I'm in kind of was that sort of deal. I mean, not not exactly because I was already doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just a title change. And they may have a position open with a specific person in mind to fill it. Right. So the next one you'll see are group interviews. They're popular, especially when interviewing internal applicants. Uh, these interviews will take place usually in a room, conference room or something with several interviewers. Uh, usually the team will consist of people you have and have not worked with directly. They may be from different areas, such as QA, the dev team, and BAs. Right. And a lot of times it'll be uh, managers from those mm-hmm. departments, because those are, those are the people you'll be interfacing with more as you go up. When I interviewed for the promotion that I just got, it was the leads from all of those. It was the QA lead, the UI and API leads, the BA lead, and our architect. That was the group interview. And then I got called in with our director after that. So they may interview uh, several candidates and they could be internal or external. You know, sometimes you'll get just one, but most of the time, mm-hmm. especially in a larger organization, there's multiple people vying for the title. And so they want to see what they can get out of them. And the format of a group interview is most like what you'll see as an external candidate. Um, now, I haven't seen the thing where they have like your coworkers. In the like your direct, you know, the people that are lateral to you or below you for an internal. I haven't seen that one play out anywhere. Um, I've seen it be management of other like adjacent departments, but not. I have seen it where it was maybe people just above you, not at management level, but just above you on other teams. Yeah. But not where, and I've been on um, interview committees, but uh, outside of development. The last type of interview we're going to talk about are the multi-round interviews. And these are more common at larger organizations. The first round is generally sort of a weed-out round to rule out unqualified candidates. Um, It's likely going to be a survey or a coding challenge. I know what we do is you you apply, and if you make it past HR, you get a survey. And then that goes to the interview committee. And they look at the answers to the survey questions and say, all right, we want to interview these candidates. And then at that point, the group will be contacted about, all right, scheduling a time to come in for an interview, um, which is the next round or two. There's one or two rounds of in-person interviews. Um, I've seen it go up to four rounds at some places. Yeah, some places are pretty insane. Yeah. Um, there's a company here in town that periodically will hire developers and I got rejected by their process because it was just nuts. I mean, it was like 30 hours worth of coding stuff and like multiple phone calls and just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that still happens even if it's internal. Yeah. Now this, uh, yeah. And, and that first round is, could also be handled by HR or recruiting agencies with external. I know when I was first looking for jobs, I did a lot of this kind of stuff for like the recruiting the phone screens. Yeah, the phone screens and the the coding challenges and the quizzes for the recruiting agencies because they wanted to already have that when they sent it off. Right. Now, the next round or two is going to be the in-person interviews. And this is where they have 
called in the people who passed the first round. You may be interviewing with a group or an individual. I've done both. Yeah. And for internal people, this is where they assess if you're ready for the promotion. A lot of places that like to promote internally will almost always give internal candidates an in-person interview. Um, I've heard several people uh, tell me at different jobs that, oh yeah, when we are looking to promote someone or if we have an internal candidate, we always give them an in-person interview. Right. Um, and that's usually a very common thing unless there's some good reason to not. Yeah. And the final round will obviously likely be with the hiring manager mm-hmm. because they've got to make a decision. The higher the promotion or job you're inter- interviewing for, the higher the level of management that you'll be interacting with. So at some you know higher positions, you may be interviewing directly with the CEO. And they'll likely be looking for how you relate to the team, especially if this is a leadership position. Yeah. Now, there's a difference between internal and external, or there's a lot of differences between internal and external. Uh, when interviewing at a new location, you know, if it's external, you're completely unknown. So you're, you're, you come in with a blank slate. You may be bringing in a skill set that they're looking for or need on the team. And they'll likely test your abilities by way of a whiteboard or technical questions. And they don't necessarily, like, again, coming in with a blank slate can be an advantage. It can mm-hmm. also be an extreme disadvantage. Right. So when I started the job I have, they were looking for someone with Angular and .NET skills because right. that's the direction they were going. Their .NET developers were learning Web API. Their UI developers were learning Angular. And so one of the reasons I was hired is because I already had experience in both of those. And I was able to help out wherever needed. Uh, and I did a lot more of that at first. And now I've not completely been rele- relegated to the API side, but that's where I spend most of my time. So with these, the interview will assess how well you work with the team as well. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to, yeah. uh, to test out in an interview. So especially if, if you're an unknown quantity. Yeah. And, you know, cause they'll, they'll maybe try to push you a little bit, but like most people are really, really bad at actually assessing somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just would tell you, don't be overly worried about that if you think you should be. If you don't yeah. think you should be, you probably should be. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's going to be the, the opposite of what you think. Now, when interviewing for a promotion or internal position, obviously the interviewers are likely to already know you, or at least some of them. Yeah, you may be interviewing with current or previous coworkers. Oh, the first time I interviewed for an internal position was for the to move from contractor to the permanent junior position and it was the senior and lead API developers and the assistant director in a room and I had worked with every single one of them right like, I came in and we were just kind of geeking out about different technologies and when the the assistant director came in the interview officially started and uh one of the the senior guys, he looks down at the questions they're supposed to ask. And he's like, well, we've already covered this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, if your skills and your abilities are a known quantity, like that changes the shape of the interview because now they're trying to explore the, the territory that's still unknown. Mm-hmm. And that's very different than all the territory being unknown. Right. Also, they're going to be familiar with many of your strengths and weaknesses in interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Whether that's for good or for ill, um, you've already been working with the team. And if you've had issues with anyone, it's very likely that that will be addressed. Yeah. 
And the, that's very true. I've had that yep. in the most recent interview. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. I'm not going to get into my personal details, but you know. Yeah. And you may be up against internal and external competitors for the same position, um, especially if like people in the company want to hire a relative or a mm-hmm. friend in. Like you got to watch the politics on that one. It can be difficult when you're competing with their coworkers or their friends or your coworkers or your friends or some combination thereof. Oh yeah, it's it's really rough when two people that are at the same level are both competing mm-hmm. for a promotion and they've worked together and worked well together. So I guess the difference there is is that an internal candidate has those problems, right? Yeah. An external one, not so much. Um, they're, a, they're a clean slate. Yeah. I mean, a, a tabula rasa thing, you know, people will paint on you what they think they see. Mm-hmm. Whereas people, if you're coming from an internal position, they paint on you what they already saw. Right. So an external candidate still has a chance to make a good first impression. Whereas an internal candidate that's made a bad one, that's a little bit of work. Right. And it's painful. So... On that, let's get into how to prepare for the internal interview. You know, before applying, check with your manager or supervisor. You know, if they're planning to promote from within, make sure they aren't thinking of someone specific for that position. Yeah. Also, your boss is going to find out about your application. So if it's, you know, not uh, being promoted within their department, you know, you're trying for a lateral or, Mm-hmm. you know, whatever, um, they're going to know. And so you got to understand that that is going to change the dynamic. Like yeah. this is not something you walk back from. And it, it's best if that comes from you. Um, it's even better if, if the boss is like, yeah, that sounds like a really good deal. Mm-hmm. Like if they support you. That's, that is the ideal situation to be in. Also, you're still going to be at that company and likely to be interacting with them, even if you're not on their team anymore. So um, don't, don't think of it as a way to escape that boss. It just, Escapes the situation where you report to that boss, maybe, but not you're not escaping dealing with them unless it's like a lateral transition to yeah. another office. Well, now this can be tricky if you are trying to escape that boss, because, you know, if you're in a large enough organization, you can get out and never have to deal with them again. So it can be difficult, but you still need to let them know if you feel like that is not a great idea. You can also talk to HR about it. Yeah. And that's really I think that's probably a better solution sometimes than to try to interview your way out. You know, if they're toxic, you may want to talk to HR. Yeah. Because that that can be an easier way to find out about upcoming promotions because these people are trying to protect the company from drama. Mm-hmm. So you can leverage them to your advantage because your your goals and theirs align. Yeah. A lot of companies also are going to have procedures for internal applicants and HR will be able to help you find other positions especially if you're at a large company. Because um, they're hard to find, even yeah. if you're internal on the website and looking at open positions. Right. They don't necessarily even advertise them all there. Next, learn about your reputation with your coworkers and others in the office. This is something that external candidates can't do, and they, they don't have to do. Well, like if you made a first um, impression that was really good, but they worked with you for a year, and they found out that, hey, you know, he's kind of grouchy on Mondays. He's kind of hard to deal with or whatever. Like, they don't remember the first impression by this point. So, mm-hmm. you do have to try to figure out how to overcome that. Yeah, a good first impression can go a long way. But your actions and attitudes since then can help or hurt your ability to get the promotion. Uh, one concern in my recent interview was the defensiveness that I've talked about before. And... 
my willingness to take on extra work. Right. Well, because I get very defensive of my sprint and making sure we we meet our goals. Yeah. And some of that just has to be, you kind of have to communicate clearly with management because it's really easy to screw that up. Yeah. And what it turned out, a lot of it had to do with was the way that I was communicating, um, not right now because I'm, I've got a lot to do, but ask me later was being perceived by management as, as ask me never. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it was just, it's just a communication style. Um, and th- this point comes from me talking to one of my coworkers about that. And I mean, one thing you can do is ask your manager or coworkers what they think of you. Um, you start with somebody that you trust and you kind of, this is a really hard question, right? Because mm-hmm. people will completely BS you on this one. You, you have to get someone that you can trust to give you a straight answer. Yeah. And you know, one of the ways you can do it is instead of going, what do you think of me? Go, do I seem like I'm doing better now or better before? Mm-hmm. Like ask for trends, not absolute positioning, because then they can tell you because that they don't feel like they're not helping you. Yeah. Well, the first time I applied for the promotion and did not get it, um, there were a lot of different reasons, but one that was brought up was this miscommunication. And I talked to one of my coworkers who a lot of people respect and who I also knew would give me a straight answer. And, you know, he's the one that helped me figure out, oh, this is, this is how this is going. And since then, he has actually been helping me with better wording and things like that. So that when I was interviewing for the promotion again, and those hard questions got asked of me in the interview, I said that I had been working on it. He was there and said, hey, you know, he, he has, he's been talking to me about it. I've been helping him out with it. These are the things that we've been doing. So not only was I able to say, yeah, I've been working on this, but I had someone there going, you know, supporting me saying, yeah, he has been working on this because I've been there while he's doing it. Well, and never underestimate the buy-in, the value of buy-in from other people. Mm-hmm. Like if you get somebody to help you, they like you more than if you help them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just a weird thing, but I mean, it, it matters a lot. Now, if you do have a bad reputation, start working to improve it immediately. Yeah. And you got to start by making amends with the people that, you know, feel like that you slighted them or mm-hmm. if you, you know, you bit somebody's head off or whatever. Yeah. If you have a misunderstanding with a coworker, get together and settle it with them. Now, we do have an upcoming episode on repairing a damaged reputation, yeah. something that I, I have been putting together. Um, and it's a that episode's even more difficult than this one. So it's going to be a good one, but yeah. uh, it'll be a little while. So, yeah. And if you're coming up on the internal interview, you also need to prepare to be asked hard questions about anything negative in your time there. Mm -hmm. So this could be failures in your code. This can be lack of ability in an area. This can be how you interact with other people, you know, flaws in your personality, just whatever stuff. If you think, okay, like the stuff that you think about right as you're going to sleep, that makes you insecure. Expect that. Yeah. Plan for that and be prepared to answer those hard questions. Now, next find out the responsibilities of the role for which you're going to be interviewing Ask about it when you're telling your manager that you want to apply. Not only does this answer your question, but it also makes you look good to the management for taking it serious. You know, you'll also know more about if you want the different or extra responsibilities before you go through the application process. Well, the other thing too is it 
cues management in that, hey, this is a person I can train into this position. And they're you're sort of a blank slate right. for that. And so they can make what they want. Yeah. And the nice thing about that is if you are not selected for the promotion this time around, they know to start preparing you for the next promotion that comes up. Yeah. And it's also a way to hedge your bets in case you want to jump out of the company somewhere yeah. else. But yeah, <laughs> I thought about it that way. But yeah, yeah, it, it totally is. Yeah. You know, but also prepare to talk about how you're going to fulfill these new responsibilities. If there's time before you interview, take on some of the responsibilities of the role. That's kind of what I did, right? Like yeah. I was I was doing a lot of that stuff before my promotion happened. This can be anything from training junior devs to giving lunch and learn presentations. You can lead meetings. You can do smaller admin tasks. So like if your boss has a particular item that's you know is a feature of the job that you're trying to get to, volunteer to do it. You know, that's and that's also a reasonable way to test out and make sure that you don't hate that. Because yeah. the worst thing in the world is to get promoted and realize, wow, this is awful. Mm-hmm. So finally Update your resume for the new position. Do more than just adding new dates to the ones you used to get hired in the first place. Treat this just like the first time around. Tailor this resume to the position. Um, This position will have different responsibilities that take different skills to accomplish. You want to use your resume to show that you are capable of handling the new responsibilities. Yeah, and I would also say make sure you do that on LinkedIn because the way you know that it's working is when you start getting pinged by people that are trying to hire for a similar position to the one you're trying to get. Right. That's when you know you can go to management and you're likely positioned well. Because mm-hmm. you already got other buyers. Yeah. So now we're going to get into some of the strategies that you can use when you're in the interview. And the very first thing is treat it with just as much attention you would at a new company. Or more. Yeah. Be professional in the way that you present yourself by what you wear to the interview. Yeah. So, you know, if you normally wear raggedy jeans and all that kind of stuff, that interview is probably not the time to do that. Mm-mm. This is the time to to dress nice. I think I wore a pair of nice slacks, a button-down shirt, and a tie. Yeah. Whereas um, my promotion, I... I wore jeans and a t-shirt because I didn't know it was happening. Yeah. And that's, um, that's a different but, situation. You weren't applying for the, int- you weren't applying. I was applying. It. I just didn't think I was applying yet. Yeah. Um, you weren't going into interview for it though. Right. Now, you know, we're giving the advice for the guys, you know, like step up your game and kind of how to do that. We're not going to attempt to suggest how women should, dre- should dress in this situation because I really don't, I, I don't know the difference between, you know, formal attire Nice business attire and casual business attire when it comes to women. No, I don't. I, um, so, ladies that are listening, and if you're, and if step honest, up your game is yeah, what we're saying. You, yeah, if you're, you want if to you're, move uh, up a level. Yeah, and you know, if you're taking fashion advice from two dudes that look like us, um, there's a lot of places you can really step up your game. Like, there's a long way to go. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. Now, the next thing you want to do too is you want to bring a copy of your resume. When you actually go to this interview, if it's a real internal, like structured interview. Yeah. Come prepared with questions to ask about the position. Even if you've been working there for a while, you'll not know all that is involved with the new position. And if you've asked your manager about it, that can give you some ideas to ask questions. Just like with in, just like with external interviews, this also makes you a stronger candidate. The next strategy is be ready to compete with both internal and and external candidates. 
Yeah. So as an internal candidate, you'll likely know someone that's on the interview committee. Um, if you're transferring to another department, you can ask a coworker in that department for feedback, ask how to impress the interviewers, and then see if you can get some help even with like practice interview questions. Mm-hmm. Don't underestimate the value of having a reasonable intelligence network here. Yeah. Now, this doesn't mean that if you're staying within your department to go try and find out who is on the interview committee and pester them right. about it. It means find out who's going to be on there and know what type of questions they're going to ask, but don't hound them about it. I know I knew several people that were going to be on the interview for mine. I did not say anything. I rode the bus in with one of them the day before my interview and didn't talk about it. Well, and there's there's a value to that nonchalance as well, mm-hmm. right? You want to be vulnerable, but not needy. Exactly. That's um, a great way of putting that's, it. That's the best way to put it. Also, be friendly and respectful with other interview candidates. Especially the internal ones. Yeah, because they're going to be your coworkers. Yeah, and it, it really leaves a bad impression when you start backstabbing and playing political games and you're trying to get hired for a higher up position mm-hmm. because the upper level managers are looking at it and going, okay, this guy's a backstabber. I want him further away from me, not closer. Yeah. No matter who gets the position, you'll have to work with each other. Don't be a sore winner or loser. And this may mean when you find out that you don't get the position, take a day off. Yeah. Um, another option too, is to go and compare notes with the person that did get it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, take them out to lunch, be like, Hey, congrats, man. You know, and, and then learn from them. Yeah. Once you've calmed down. Yeah. You know, don't, don't take them out and be angry or upset that you didn't get the position. Calm down and then take them out as a, Hey, that that's awesome. You got promoted. The next time it comes up, I, I want to know how you succeeded so I can be at that level with you. Yeah. Or so if you, you when you get promoted, I can replace you. Right. That's that's a total boss strategy. <laughs> that really is. Finally, address previous mistakes or poor attitudes directly. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. Um, we've all made mistakes. Um, I have bitten some people's heads off this week, just mm-hmm. straight up. And I don't normally do that at work. Um, just had a lot on me. Um, but you know, you screw up, you might've crashed a server. You might've lost your temper. Um, and that's going to be on the interviewer's minds, even if it happened like two years ago and nothing has happened since then. Mm-hmm. Explain what happened openly and honestly, talk about what you did wrong and what you learned from it. Yeah. And this is difficult in, you know, in an internal interview because that's, um, it requires a degree of introspection that's very uncomfortable and you're introspecting while other people are looking at you. And that's that's very, very unpleasant. You also have to tell the interviewers how you would hope to handle it if you were in the same situation again, like what you learned and how you plan to apply that. Mm-hmm. The temporal proximity of the faux pas will affect the interviewer's perception of you. And also your use of large words will affect their... <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't keep a straight face. I was watching the Dr. The temporal Hill. proximity <laughs> of the faux pas will affect the interviewer's perception of you. Oi! <laughs> I was watching Dr. Who when I wrote that line. you got to tip your fedora at him and everything, man. Uh, the more recent the incident, the more damage it can cause, and the more you're going to have to work to overcome it. Yeah. If it's in recent memory, like especially if it's the day before, oh, man, don't even... Oh, yeah. Don't be there. Yeah. Uh, Mistakes that are made further out are still going to need to be addressed, but they're not going to have as much emotional or visceral reaction from the interviewers. Yeah, especially if you've already proved that you learned from it. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, like if it's far enough back where when you screwed up and you go, yeah, you know, you know, like if I had a, you know, somebody reporting to me that did this and you, you describe exactly what you did, you know, here's how I would help them. Yeah. You know, when you're at that level, when you've turned that around and they're going, okay, this is somebody that can go way further. Or in, in my case where it's far enough along where you have someone on the interview committee go, yeah, I know how he has improved because I've been helping him do it. The interviewers may be concerned that your behavior is not isolated. So if you bit somebody's head off and even though it's been six months, you know, like they're now aware of that, right? Like that wall has been breached. Right. The thing here is a pattern of poor behavior is going to be a lot more difficult to overcome. It's it's going to be even worse than just something happening recently. So there, there's two big things you have to look out for. Recent bad behavior and patterns. Yeah, because um, people don't like patterns. Well, um. we're, we're really good at pattern matching. Yeah. And if if you just, you had a really stressful summer, you know, uh, your kids were home and they were just like going crazy and stuff. And it was just, it was a rough summer. That's built a pattern. Yeah. And then you're interviewing that winter. That pattern is still in the minds of people that are interviewing you. A single or few incidents are a lot easier to explain. Yeah, especially if it's just like, you know, certain things happen and then you you blow up, but that's really the only thing that gets you to that point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like for me, um, somebody trying to throw me under the bus, if you want to see me get just really hard to deal with, that I can tell you is a pattern. Yeah. Like to future employers, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I'm not overly quick to fix that either because I think it's appropriate. So now next we're going to talk about some strategies to avoid when you're in the internal interview. And these may be strategies that work for external interviews, but not internal. Yeah. So if you're interviewing somewhere new, you can kind of do the, uh, the vainglory thing. You can brag. If you're doing that internal, probably not a good plan. The interviewers are likely to already know your best accomplishments. You know, they ha may have worked on the team with you. Uh, some of them may have been in your initial interview. What you want to do here instead is to talk about how you can fill the role and the responsibilities. So if you have done something or if you've done, like we said, in the preparing part, have started taking on some of the roles already, then that's what you want to talk about here. Um, now, the other thing you can talk about is your lesser known accomplishments. Just because you work with someone doesn't mean that they know everything you've done. The QA you work with might know about your unit tests and logging, right? Because they have interacted with it. But they might not know how you introduce pair programming or how you have been coaching a junior developer along or whatever. Right. Like they don't see that stuff. So people don't have the full visibility. Mm -hmm. um, you got to be really careful straddling the line between bragging and informing. When you're an external candidate, you want to brag because they don't know anything about you. When yeah. you're an internal candidate, you want to mention and bring up, but not brag about your accomplishments because... Well, you act with confidence because you already own those. Right. Also, you're, you can discuss some ways to improve the organization in the new role. However, you want to avoid talking too much about the changes you want to implement. This is not the time to talk about disrupting an industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, once you have the power, you can do it anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, don't don't show your hand beforehand, because the thing is, is, unless they really, really like the changes that you want to push, it's neutral or bad. 
Right. And that's what it's going to be. So don't don't throw that in there unless you're sure. Mm-hmm. As a current employee, you're going to know the areas that need improvement. And so do they. Yeah. And it's okay to talk about what you're currently doing to improve the code base. And you can talk about new things that your company isn't currently doing, such as adding pair programming or code reviews. Yeah. And you do not want to step on the toes of other people when you're talking about improvements, even if they're not in the room, mm-hmm. honestly, especially if they're not, I would say that that's probably worse than doing it when they're sitting right there. Don't talk about how bad a certain area is. If you're wanting to change it or not, um, instead focus on the positive of what you can bring. Some of the interviewers may have built something that you want to change. So just be careful what you're talking about. Next, trying to shortcut the application and interview process can lead to not getting an interview at all. Yeah, the process is usually set out and clear if it's a bigger company. Yeah. Um, if it's a smaller company, it's not and you're not in. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's yeah. just going to happen and you're going to be like, oh, okay, you know, there we are. Yeah. Now, if you don't know the process, that's one of the things you can learn about when you talk to your manager about applying. Trying to bypass part of the process it just shows a lack of willingness to follow the rules and to do what it takes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's just, you know, you put your time in mm-hmm. and, you know, you prove yourself and then, you know, the promotion lands on you because that's where it's going. And if you if you try to shortcut that, it looks like you're it's it's kind of a stolen valor kind of thing. Yeah. It just doesn't it doesn't play well. So don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um also, don't trash talk the other applicants. That's especially bad with other internal applicants. So there's a story that I heard growing up. My dad used to tell this, um, that there were two preachers applying for the same job. Mind you, my dad was a preacher, so of course he told stories about preachers. Uh, and when they went in for the interview, the one preacher, he goes in and he, he interviews at the church with the the people, the committee that's interviewing him, and he does a sermon in front of everyone. and In kind of the third round of the interview, they were telling him, you know, we're also interviewing this other candidate. What do you think about him? And the first preacher says, oh, I I know him. Uh, He's really great. You guys would do really, really well uh, under him. And so they asked the same question to the other. And he says, oh, no, you do not want to hire him. I can tell you all these stories. You just, you really don't. Can you guess which one they hired? The one that was nice. Right. And, you know, the thing is, is like you can do this, like you can still offer a critique mm-hmm. without being a backstabber. Um, you know, you could you could say, well, you know, they're really good at this. Um, this is a spot that I think that they're maybe weaker than me. But, you know, you start out with they're really good at this. Here's a spot where I think they're weaker than me. But I like this other thing that they yeah. have. Like you give them the turd sandwich, right? <laughs> that's That's what we call that. Like it's two slices of nice with bad in the middle. Finally, we're going to talk about some things that you can do after the interview. Just like an external interview, send a thank you to your interviewers. This is more than just polite. It shows that you're considerate. It doesn't have to be a written note. It can be as simple as an email. Your negotiation ability may be hindered as an internal applicant. In fact, I would say that it really is. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't know anywhere that I've ever seen where it hasn't been, but I think that's probably a thing if they really, really like you. Yeah. Some companies have a cap on how much they can increase salary that doesn't exist for someone coming from the outside. Yeah. And those same companies always seem to be the ones that wonder why people job hop. Yeah. They also know what you're already making when coming up with an offer. 
Yeah, and that hurts a lot. Yeah. Um, now, the trick there is to turn this into an advantage. So, if your company has a cap for raises with promotion, first of all, you already know this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you can go for the highest that they are likely to offer, but this is also a leverage point to try to get other things. More right. vacation, more other stuff that's not in that policy. Exactly. Receiving an offer is very exciting, but you may need to keep it to yourself until it's announced, especially if there's other internal candidates. Yeah, I think I would honestly keep it to myself until it's announced anyway. Like, let the let the boss kind of have their thunder, mm-hmm. as it were. This doesn't mean that you can't tell your family. Uh, but I would avoid putting it on social media. For and example, which means you can't tell your family in many cases because some of them will put it on social media. But uh, if you if you trust your family, like for example, when I got the promotion, there were other internal candidates, and I I knew about it uh, about a week before I put it on social media because it hadn't been announced yet, and they wanted to tell the other candidates, hey, um, bring them in, talk to them, and explain it to them. So I think I told. You know, my family and you. Yeah. And that's it. And I told everyone, hey, don't say anything about this on social media. And I I even told my boss when I was told about it. And they said, hey, please don't share it. I was like, is it all right if I share it with my family and Will? Yeah. Because everybody knows you where I work. (laughs) I know. It's so weird. Um, (laughs) Now, I will tell you... (laughs) When you update LinkedIn, and you found this out the hard way, the same as I did, like the recruiters just jump on you. It's like, okay, I just got a promotion, and then they just carpet bomb you with, I I don't understand that. (laughs) So, what I did, I batched. I've picked this up from you to where, you know, I batch my updates. And then turn your phone off for a week. Yeah. So, I went and I put in, the thing is. The ones, the recruiters that know me, they didn't pester me. They they sent me a lot of, hey, congratulations. That's really awesome. Because yeah, they still want to stay on your radar in yeah. case you're hiring more people. Right. The the ones that don't know me are the ones that, that just saw, oh, I saw your, you know, you popped up on my my search, so you you must be looking. And yeah, like, something happens that makes a diff occur, yeah. and then they just, uh, it's it's very, very strange, because I can go, like, I can go on my resume right now on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and I can add a space. Yeah. And I guarantee you I'll get 10 calls tomorrow. <laughs> that is that is so true. Because uh, I've done it before, yeah. just to see what would happen. So, I, when I did mine, I put that, and I put... Um, Grad school and a couple other things I've just been holding off some classes that I've taken and trainings, um, some certificates that I've gotten and trainings that I've taken. And so I just put that all in at once so that, all right, I know I'm going to be getting all these calls because I'm updating it. Let's just get them all over at once. Yeah. What was really funny is there's a couple of people who said, congratulations on the promotion. Uh, I see you're going to grad school and like, what made you decide to do that? Like actually asked questions and these weren't recruiters. They were uh, fellow developers or people looking to get into the industry. So it started a couple of cool conversations. Yeah. And I mean, mine did that as well, yeah. right? Like you get enough exposure. It just, it, it happens. Now the, the flip side is that when you don't get an offer for a promotion, that can seem devastating. You, know, you experienced this not too long ago. Like it's, it's hard. You're getting rejected and, that sucks. What you got to make sure to do is to not overreact. Don't express overt aggression. You know, you have to say that to people, which is kind of sad that we have to say that, but yeah. we really do. 
Like, you don't have to bite anybody's head off. Just be calm. Yeah. Like, you still have a job. If you have to, go take a walk. Take a day off. Yeah. Um. Just, like, let yourself kind of deal with it. Relax a bit. And then go ask your manager for ways to improve yourself for the next opening that comes available. And this is what I did. I um I didn't go to my direct manager. I went to... A trusted advisor. A, yeah. I, someone at the same level that I that I've worked with directly in trust and someone who knows me really well to, to help me. And you know what? It paid off. It really did because I was able to start putting into effect the changes that they wanted to see in me. Yeah. And that, I mean, the thing is, is they don't, it, it, you're not cheating when you find out how to improve. Right. I'd like, that's a weird thing that I've, I've had conversations with people about. And I've been on the receiving end of that too, where you're like, Oh, if I ask how to improve, it's like cheating. It's like, no, it no. isn't. No, that's what they want you to do. <laughs> but there's, there's this weird thing that all of us that have been through the educational system feel like it's like looking stuff up on Google is cheating. Mm-hmm. No, not getting a result is bad. Getting a result is good. Like there's yeah. no cheat here. Now, um, also don't resent the person who gets the job. There are going to be more opportunities, internal or external. Yeah. So, guys, many companies prefer to promote from within, either for the prestige of claiming to do so or because internal candidates are a known quantity and quality. When applying and interviewing for an internal position, you need to use different strategies to be successful. Whether you're interviewing for a promotion or to transfer departments, you can use these strategies and tips to give yourself the advantage. And that pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? So I want to reiterate something, and I probably said it um, in an earlier episode, you know, way back. But we as developers, especially when you're like in the agile thing and you're um, doing continuous deployment and all, a lot of times we undervalue the amount of damage that we can do by screwing up. And I'll give you some examples. You know, we talked about the visual studio thing. Um, you know, windows updates have burned us. That kind of stuff happens all the time. And I want you to be aware of the fact that you can really cause somebody a lot of pain by not being careful with the stuff that you're doing. You know, if you're doing engineering software, that kind of stuff, your mistakes can kill people. But what people don't realize is if you're making an accounting app, your mistake can still kill somebody. And what I mean by that is, is you can be the last thing that degrades their quality of life enough where something happens that's bad. So just kind of be aware of that. I don't mean be paranoid about it, but don't be flippant about pushing out changes that break things because you, you really degrade everybody's quality of life when you do that. So just don't forget that. That's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.